Hey, I'm Amber, also known as the Lone Star Keto Girl, and welcome to the Lone Star Keto Podcast. Today, I have a very special guest. Her name is Sarah Kleiner, and she has such a unique perspective, and this is what I so love about her. She does not believe in living in an echo chamber and buying into all the dogma out there, and so we're going to have a little discussion about that. Welcome, Sarah. Thank you for having me, Amber. It's awesome to chat with you and, and be here today. Thank you so much for joining me. I know you're super busy. So could you, for the people who may not be following you, which I'll be so shocked if any of my followers are not already following you, but could you just give a brief background of some of the health issues that you struggle with, just so people can kind of know where you're coming from? Yeah, I mean, I was put on my first antidepressant when I was 14. I've struggled with you know, anxiety, depression, insomnia for most of my life. I'm 41 now. I've been medication free for two years now, which is amazing. Uh, but I also had eczema and IBS. I had PCOS that was pretty bad um, and estrogen dominance. So I had a lot of hormonal issues that started probably about six years ago and just continued to get worse and worse. So I came to the carnivore diet with a laundry list of things um, that I was hoping it would help with. And I have definitely had to make some tweaks along the way, but I am still doing carnivore almost two years in now and still off all medication. As long as I stay away from dairy, my eczema stays away, no IBS issues, and then my hormones are in really good shape now. Awesome. That is awesome. So you, were, you are considered an ex-vegan. Talk just a little bit about that, because I think, you know, this plays into later on. Uh, so I think it's very yeah. interesting. Yeah, I've been teaching yoga for uh, almost a decade now. And kind of when I was a newer teacher, I just thought that being vegan was part of the process. Like that's what you do if you're a yogi and you do yoga, you're supposed to follow a vegetarian or a vegan diet. So of course I dove headfirst into a vegan diet and I only lasted two years. Uh, I was in my early 30s at the time. So if I had been a little younger, I may have lasted a bit longer. <laughs> I think you can get away with more stuff in your, in your 20s. Um, but my health pretty much deteriorated. At the end of the two years, I was very under-muscled. I was underweight. I did not look good. My arms were so super skinny. I had cavities. I had, and I had never gotten cavities in my life before. Um, I had athletic injuries that just wouldn't heal. Um, and I just felt really terrible. And I tried to do everything like by the book. I had like a purse full of supplements and I would just always be supplementing. I'd be soaking everything, the grains, the beans, trying to get, I was doing whole foods. I wasn't doing a lot of vegan junk food. Like you see people doing, I was really working hard to eat a whole foods, uh, plant-based diet. And it just wouldn't, it just wasn't working. It just was not working. So eventually one of my yoga teachers actually came to me and was like, you've got to eat some animal foods because your health is really going down. You don't look good. I know you don't feel good and I know what you're trying to do, but it's, it's not working. So that was a, I was very relieved to have someone else just say, you know, especially in the yoga community, say you don't have to do this whole veganism thing in order to be a legit teacher. And so I started off just first with some eggs and felt better right away with just with eggs. Um, then eventually chicken. And I still stayed away from red meat for a while. It was probably a long time before I, cause I just still had this huge fear of red meat. Um, 
and that continued on for several years. So I didn't go straight from vegan to carnivore. There was about six years uh, in between before I went into a carnivore diet. I was largely paleo uh, for that six year time period. I did autoimmune paleo, regular paleo, um, and it just kind of never really fixed a lot of those issues that I was talking about earlier. And I saw some of them actually getting worse because I was you know, doing still a lot of green smoothies and nuts and seeds and trying to you know, still eat a lot of whole food plants. And my body just was pretty miserable um, with all those plants. So like pretty much as soon as I took all of those plants out, my digestion improved 110%. Um, IBS was totally gone. And I had been to so many doctors and they would just tell me to eat more fiber, you know, take fiber supplements and it just made everything worse. So that was, yeah, that was the, the first like miracle of going carnivore was like all these digestion issues were just gone. Yes. So, yeah. I totally feel you there. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about the, the echo chamber you were in, in the vegan community, because here you are and you still are a yoga instructor, mm -hmm. but yet you are a meat based yoga instructor. Yes. Those two words really don't even go together. No. So tell me, how did the vegan community react to you or your yoga, you know, whatever you want to call it, followers or whatever. How did they react to that? Well, it's different because I wasn't really putting my life out there on the internet in 2014 when I left veganism. It was, I just kind of quietly did it and I didn't really talk with my, I've been teaching publicly right now. I'm just only teaching over Zoom. But at the time, you know, none of my students, I really didn't discuss my diet with my students. I taught, you know, probably seven, eight classes a week, maybe even more some weeks, but I didn't really discuss my diet with my students, but I did have students that would remark and say, wow, you look so much better. What have you been doing? Like, cause I started getting muscle um, for the first time. My arms weren't so freaking paper thin. Um, and I started being stronger and able to do poses that I had been working towards for years, but I could just never, I never had enough muscle or strength to do them um, without injuring myself. So that, I mean, I wasn't now I'm very public. I mean, I've got my YouTube channel and my Instagram. And so uh, now it's like I do one little thing and I get like, you know, thousands of <laughs> messages about it. But um, yeah, I wasn't really a thing when I left veganism. No one really cared because I just didn't really talk about it with people. It was just like, okay, well, I'm not doing this anymore and I feel better. Cool. <laughs> Awesome. Okay. But what about now? Like still the two words don't go together because you oh, are yeah. so popular. I mean, I have a lot of comment blocking features up on my, on my social media because there, when I first started these accounts, um, it was kind of a joke. I started the carnivore Yogi Instagram account as a joke, like totally a joke. I was like, I'm just going to start this account and call it carnivore Yogi because wouldn't that be hilarious? Um, I was like in a yoga class and I had been carnivore for just like a few weeks and I was feeling so strong. I had had just like the best strongest practice ever was feeling amazing. And I was like, I'm going to start an Instagram page called carnivore yogi. Cause I had started, you know how, when you, you go carnivore and you kind of start following a bunch of people on social media to keep you motivated and to learn. And so I had already started doing that with my regular yoga account, which I still have. I just don't usually post that much over there, but I started this 
carnivore yogi account. And all of a sudden, it, it, I mean, it just started growing really fast because I think people were like, what? And um, so my account grew really fast within just a couple of months. It surpassed the amount of followers that I had on my regular account. And so right away, I was getting a lot of hateful messages from people, mostly people from the yoga community who I never met, like people in my my personal sphere, my life, they have all been like kind. And if they have a judgment or a harsh thing to say, they've kept it to themselves or, t- or said it behind my back. No one has said anything personally to me that I know in my personal yoga community, but the rest of the yoga community, I've had a lot of nasty, hateful messages from people. You shouldn't call yourself a yogi, this, that, and the other, and how dare you, and you're disrespectful. And so I do have a lot of comment blocking features because I started noticing they would say a lot of the same things. Um, They would always end it with a namaste, kind of like that's like an extra like, like really, do you know the meaning of namaste? Like you're not really supposed to use that in like a hateful way. Um, So yeah, you can't say namaste on my uh, posts. Fun fact, on YouTube or Instagram, you can't say namaste or your comment gets automatically (laughs) blocked. That's so funny. It's hilarious. It's 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 funny but sad. These crazy yoga zealots that it's like the second that you start judging someone else for what they eat, you automatically knock yourself down several notches on the spiritual ladder. In my personal opinion, you've, once you start pointing a finger and judging someone else, then, you know, you've just kind of shot yourself in the foot. Honestly, if we're going to talk about being spiritual or any of that stuff, like you, you know, you're kind of defeating the purpose of calling yourself a yogi by doing that. So yeah, it's, um, I don't really get a lot of, of those comments because a lot of those words are blocked. So I probably, they may be trying, but they're just not getting through. I love it. That's awesome. And you know what? I need to do the same thing. Oh my God. I, I'm just starting to kind of get that. Yeah. yeah. You, you kind of, you, you do this once you have YouTube and Instagram, people will, be hateful and they will kind of all say the same things like you've not been you can't say who or world health organization under my quotes because that's all that these vegans have to say is who world health organization over and over again and you're like get some new freaking material right can you get all the same cut and paste everything it is it's all cut and paste stuff and i'm just like Oh, we're not doing that. <laughs> so yeah. it'll save you a lot of headaches to, to put those features up on your pages. And I don't nice. feel bad about it. I don't feel like it's censorship. I just feel like, no, this is my blog. This is my personal journey that I am sharing with you. So if I don't want things said on that page, then I, that's my prerogative. I'm not a doctor or an expert. I'm not counseling people or coaching them. I'm just sharing. So. And you know what? It's your page. You're the dictator of that page. Sorry, it's different. It's not the same thing. So you you, you have every right to do that. Yeah. Um, So do you get just like a lot of um, nasty comments? Let me me ask this specifically because this is something I've been getting lately. Um, When I, because I've started doing these podcasts and I'll have a guest on and maybe that guest is not the absolute perfect Adonis model, whatever it is. And 
then these people come back and say these nasty things like, well, do they really need to be representing, you know, keto carnivore, whatever it is, or, or, and, you know, obviously they're really not doing what they're saying they're doing because they don't look like they are. Well, here's the other thing I've done on Instagram. I wish I could do this on YouTube because it would save me a lot of heartache, but on Instagram, you can't comment on my posts unless you're following me. Oh, I like yeah. That. And I had, I had not done that for a long time. I just recently put that in about six weeks ago and it's been awesome wow. because most people that are going to leave some kind of a nasty comment like that, they're not going to be following you in the first place. And very rarely will somebody go through the trouble of actually hitting that follow button for the specific reason of like commenting on your stuff. So that kind of washes out those people too. Um, <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. it. <laughs> but I did get, I was doing a live stream probably, it was two weeks ago. I was doing a live stream with my friend, uh, Becky, and it was the very end of our live stream. And it was a guy who was like, John, so-and-so Ayurvedic yoga coach. And he started in the live stream, started going after us and was like, oh, neither of you look very healthy at all. I think you're the last pe Yeah. He's like, you don't look healthy at all. You guys shouldn't be um, taught, you know, he just started going off. And so I just, I was moderating the chat while I was doing the live stream on YouTube. So I just like blocked him and just, you know, not put it away. So I'm sure that people think that and it's just kind of stupid because people that look a certain way, you know, this aesthetic thin or ripped look, they've worked extremely hard to do that. And I think that a lot of people out there on the internet and, and viewers, they just want a regular person who has a regular life. And, you know, if somebody looks like super amazing, maybe they do work out three hours a day and, and, but the average person isn't necessarily looking for that. So um, those people are just being haters and they're miserable and sad about their own life. So I don't really give them yeah. too much of a thought, you know, Block exactly. <laughs> I like it. Okay. So before we move on to the, the keto carnivore community, one more question. When you were vegan, you were at your thinnest. Is that correct? Oh yes. Oh yeah. And so you, you, even, even you kind of look back and you're like, Oh gosh, I like the way I look then kind of, and, and, and it bothers you a little bit that you don't necessarily look like that, but you also just got through saying that you were not healthy. No. You did not feel good. But mm -hmm. yet if somebody was to judge you, they would say, Oh, that Sarah looks better because she's skinny. Yeah. You know, and it's funny. I think I, I mean, I don't think I know I have some body dysmorphia because I've had a lot of people, a lot of people that aren't carnivore keto or anything, just friends of mine that see some of these old photos of me. Cause I had some professional photo shoots done and they were like, you're, you look way too skinny in those photos. Like you don't look good in those photos. It's me that looks at the photos and says, oh, I look so good, I look so thin. Um, but in reality, friends of mine and you know, people who just only know me from yoga, don't know anything about my diet or anything like that, are like, oh, you were way too thin, like you didn't look good. So um, it's more of a head game for me that I have to wrap my brain around like loving me right now and loving, um, you know, who I am, who I've become and, and not to like romanticize those photos because yeah, I was severely anemic. Um, my, I had a high A1C. It was almost, it was almost pre-diabetic, which is crazy. Oh. 
because I was vegan and vegan supposed to help you cure diabetes. Well, not anymore. Now they, they just, <laughs> John Baker just posted about that the other day that that's all a bunch of BS. Um, but I was pretty much pre-diabetic and anemic and, you know, just a, a whole bunch of host of things going on. Had low, real low cholesterol, but <laughs> what good is that? So yeah, that's, it's mostly a, a me game um, rather than what everyone else thinks. Yeah, I, I just, you know, I find it very bothersome, though, that uh, sometimes, you know, people will just look at a picture, like you said, you know, here are these really, you know, strong, even bodybuilders, mm -hmm. they aren't necessarily healthy. No, They're not, because what they have to do to get that look is not healthy. Yeah. But we view that, I mean, let's face it, I think we probably all do, that mm -hmm. if you look at somebody with, you know, a woman with these nice toned arms and these mm -hmm. ripped abs and, you know, everything's all cool, but she could be super duper unhealthy inside. Yeah, we don't know what her blood work looks like. We don't know what her sleep looks like. We don't know how she feels. She could be completely cranky all the time because she's hungry all the time. That's how I was when I was like, Me too. really, I was just mean because I, I couldn't go longer than like a couple hours without having a snack. And I was obsessing over what I was going to eat next. And if something got in the way of my plans, I was going to like explode on you. So yeah, we don't know how that person, we just have a snapshot. We just have a photo. We don't know what the rest of their life really looks like. So, um, but it's the way that it's our, you know, digital society. It's easy to mm -hmm. look at something and make assumptions about it. Uh, so I try to check myself with that. And then I really dig deeper. Like they're, you know, someone who is like super thin and uh, has, is like, you know, really skinny. I, I'll follow that person and then like find out that they're just starving themselves constantly. They're not really eating. Um, great. I can see your abs, but you, yeah, you're, you're not eating. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Life is not fun. <laughs> You know, and when you have to work that hard all the time, because I know when, when I was going through my craziness and I would exercise five hours a day, mm, yeah, six, well, six days out of the week, sometimes seven. And if I didn't do that, I would start to gain weight yeah. because I had messed up my body so much. And I got to the point where I was like, I can't do more than that. I can't keep adding more. I can't do it. You know? And so, you know, you don't know what's going on. So you just look at something and you're like, Oh, I want to look like them. Ah. Yeah. Do, you, do you really? I mean, do you really, do you know what that cost? <laughs> exactly. I just had a great conversation with, uh, with Robert Sykes, uh, keto savage. I had him on my show because I think a lot of women come to the carnivore diet after years of chronic dieting and years of restriction, and they really have down-regulated their metabolism, you know, mm -hmm. exercising hours a day and calorie mm -hmm. restricting. And so some people may come to carnivore and allow themselves to eat for the first time and gain weight. And it's not necessarily because the carnivore diet is quote unquote bad. It's just that they have really down-regulated their metabolism from the over-exercising and the chronic restricting and chronic dieting. And so they do need to eat more for periods of time. They need to be in a surplus for, for periods of time in order to allow their metabolism to catch up and to heal. So it's not like a death sentence, but I do see this happening quite a bit and not just in keto carnivore, just everywhere. Women trying to be picture perfect and really down-regulating their hormonal system and down-regulating their metabolism and just ending up in a terrible position. You know, it doesn't matter what they do, they're going to gain weight because they have taken their metabolism down. You know, they've down-regulated. I don't like to say damaged. I've said that before, but it's, it's not irreversible. It is reversible, but it takes 
usually gaining some weight and eating more food for periods of time, which is hard for women to do. Very it hard. is. It is. And that's kind of what actually happened to me. And that was actually a question I was yeah. going to ask you. So yeah. yay, you actually answered that. So, so that's, that's cool. But yes, that, that happened to me too. So, uh, you know, started gaining a little bit of weight and then with menopause, oh God, now my hormones are wackadoodle. So I'm having to deal with all that eh, anyway. Well, before we get into carnivore, uh, the, the community, I just wanted to real quick, so I don't miss out. Um, look what I got. Oh, yay. Awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, I have four of them. Uh, it's let's get checked uh, tests and blood tests that you can do at home. And um, I, I was watching one of your things and I was like, you know what, I'm going to do it because I'm having all these hormonal issues and I'm working with a doctor, Dr. Jay Wrigley right now oh, to nice. balance. But I just kind of wanted to have a test to kind of see like, where, where's my thyroid? Could I be, you know, have Hashimoto's and not know it? I don't yeah. know. You know, so I just want to get that done and know, and it's super convenient. I mean, I just got them in today. So, um, being that it's Friday, I have to wait till Monday. You know how that works, but, uh, I'll, I'll post all that down below. Uh, there is links and stuff so you can get a discount, but, um, I'll be following up on on my, uh, you know, experience with it, but I just wanted to get to get that out there because I think that's pretty cool. And you have done that yourself. Oh yeah. Just real quick. How have you used this to help you? Yeah, it's funny. Let's get checked. They reached out to me after I had posted a bunch of blood work and had some numbers that came back that were kind of sketchy that were not so good. And so it was like a savior to me. Um, so if anyone's watching, my code is Yogi20 for 20% off, but, um, and I'll give Amber all the links that they can use. But um, yeah, it's been a lifesaver for me because I had some numbers like my GFR numbers, which is your kidney filtration rate. Those were super low. It wasn't kidney disease. It wasn't stage one, but it was like kind of like dangerously low GFR, which is your kidney's filtration rate. So I made some tweaks to my fat protein ratios as well as my electrolytes. And that number has corrected and it's great. Um, I've used it to check in with my thyroid because my T3 was low back in January. I had done way too much fasting um, and just completely jacked up my body from over fasting. So reach out using let's get checked to check back in with my thyroid. That's good. Um, same thing with my progesterone and testosterone. Both of those were super low because of over fasting and then probably being in gluconeogenesis too much, which we can talk about just eating too much protein and not enough fat. It really downregulated uh, my hormonal system. So all those things are doing great now. I'm really, really happy, but I've continued to use Let's Get Checked because they're one of my sponsors and um, just to keep checking in with those numbers. And it's super convenient because you don't have to go to a doctor and get stuff done. They just ship the box right to your house. You get put this, you know, it's a finger prick sample and send it back in. So it's been very, very helpful for me. I'm excited. I can't wait uh, yeah. to, to get that done. I hope it's nothing bad. <laughs> I always hate that because, you know, sometimes I'm one of these denial people and it's like, sometimes I just don't want to know, but I, you know, I, I need to know. But, but then it, you know, it helps you like, okay, well I need to adjust something and, yes. and so it yes. gives you something to work with. It's like for years before I went carnivore, I would just go get blood tests and everything would be normal. And I was so frustrated because I'm like, why do I feel so bad? Mm-hmm. And they're like, everything's normal. And you're like, damn it. I wish no. something was wrong. So I <laughs> work on it, Fix it. You know? Fix it. Instead of just feeling bad all the time. So 
Yeah. 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 It's kind of a double-edged sword right there. Yeah. You don't want to know, but you do want to know so you can fix it because when you come back, Oh no, everything's great. Oh yeah. Why do I feel like crap? Hmm. Exactly. So that's kind of a problem. Okay. So now let's get into the keto carnivore community. Now here lately, well, I mean, it's been a little while you have decided to go on and step on outside of (laughs) what maybe our communities are, you know, this is what you do. You always follow these rules and you have decided to come out and say, you know what? It doesn't really necessarily work for everybody. So I'm going to give my experience and Lord, have you got some hate? I've seen some of them comments and I'm like, what the heck? So what is going on with that? And where did you get the um, confidence or the bravery to go ahead and just say some of these things? Because some of the videos at first, when I, when I would see them come out, I'd be like, Oh, Oh, no, she's going to be getting some bad stuff. Oh, no, Sarah, bless your heart. You can get it, you know? So tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, I mean, it just came from me, like I was saying it earlier this year, getting all those lab tests back and being like, wow, maybe um, everything that everyone's saying to do isn't going to work for everybody. And if I'm having these problems, then I bet you a lot of other people are having these problems too. So that kind of gave me confidence. And what gave me more confidence is when I, there were a couple of videos I put out probably in March where I actually talked about this stuff. And I was like, this is what's going on with me. I don't necessarily have a solution, but this is what I'm going to try to do. I'm going to change my fat protein ratios. I'm going to work with my electrolytes. I'm going to work with um, my coach who Stephanie keto person. She's amazing. She's been a huge source of encouragement, a really dear friend who I've talked with for like hours and I mean, we talk like every day, but she's really encouraged me and helps me with a lot of this stuff. Um, and she's validated a lot of what I've said, a lot of like the problems that I was having are problems that people have when they follow a low carb or zero carb diet and they're not in ketosis, they're not balancing their electrolytes. Um, yeah. And, and so that is kind of where all that, I guess, courage came from was I just was like, you know what, I'm going to put this stuff out there. I'm going to share what happened to me and then how I've fixed it and how it's gotten better. And so it's been, it's been a wild ride um, the last like eight months or so, because when I first started my YouTube channel, I was like, Oh, carnivore is the best thing in the world. And it works for everybody and everybody should do it and do it this way. And if you're, you know, it's not working, just eat more meat. And you know, just the, the classic stuff that you hear people saying, if it's not working, eat more meat. If you're having cravings, eat more meat. You know, if your blood sugar is going up, eat more, you know, like that kind of stuff. And, um, so I've kind of been debunking quite a bit of that on my channel. Yes, you have. <laughs> and some people are not really liking that. Yeah. <laughs> what, what, are, are you kind of developing a thick skin now? Like, to, I, I know you've blocked a lot of stuff out, mm-hmm. but I'm seeing plenty come through. Yeah. So you're, I mean, you're, you're not totally blocking everything. Yeah, no, I don't block everything. And I, I don't like block someone because they disagree with me. If they ha- make a comment <clears throat> and it's in a respectful manner. I'm not going to block them because I disagree. I'm not going to delete it because I disagree with what they're saying. Um, Something that I always say a lot of the times now in my videos is like, if you have a different experience than I do, then that doesn't invalidate your experience, you know? Um, So I don't 
argue with people if they're like, well, this is what I did and it worked really well. I'm like, well, I always just say, I'm really glad that you found something that worked for you. I'm happy for you. Um, I'm sharing a lot of the stuff that I've done that hasn't worked. Um, and then literally like thousands of comments and messages I've gotten from people. I get, I will get emails from people thanking me for speaking out about this stuff. Cause they're like, I thought I was going crazy because I'm following all these carnivore influencers and they're, they're acting like it's like the freaking yellow brick road and it's, you know, everything's perfect and you don't have to tweak anything. And if you're not, um, having all the results, just keep going, just keep on doing that path. And they just keep feeling worse and worse. So I've, I've been validated a lot, just feedback, a lot of feedback I've gotten of people just thanking me for um, exposing problems that people I think have been having that don't get talked about, they get shoved under the rug or just tossed off. So, yeah, well, you know, and, and the thing is, Carnivore is awesome in a lot of ways, but it doesn't mean it's just one way of doing it. And that's the only thing you're saying is that right. if it's not working for you, maybe you need to tweak. Maybe you're having the same experience as me. Maybe you're not. Right. And so let's, let's get into some of those things that seem to be very controversial. One of them is the whole fasting thing. Mm -hmm. Like a, a lot of carnivores and not all of them, but a lot of them are really big into the fasting. Mm -hmm. And especially since you do tend for most of us tend to reduce our appetite. So mm -hmm. we may only eat two times a day. And it's not necessarily that we're going by a clock and fasting. Right. But what was your experience with fasting? Because I, I remember following along as you were doing the various fasts and like doing longer and longer ones. And it was a big deal and you were excited about it yeah. and all this. So it, say what happened to you. Well, it was very fun. It was very addictive because you have so much cortisol pumping through your body and then you like lose weight really quickly and it's just very addictive. So I started off um, my first extended fast ever, I just jumped right in and did like a 72 hour fast. And I was like, this is the best thing that's ever happened to me. It's amazing. I loved it. And so I kept doing more and more of them. I would do 48 hours. I do 60 hours. I eventually did like a seven day water. And these are all water fast with electrolytes. No, you know, I would do black coffee, but I wouldn't do fatty coffees or fat. It would just be water electrolytes. Boom. That's it. Um, so I liked them a lot. They felt really good. Like I said, I would lose weight really fast, but then I started having negative side effects. Um, like just being so freaking exhausted all the time. And then I would get so hungry. So I have a history of binge eating disorder and I would find myself eating, you know, four or five pounds of meat. So I was like binging on meat. Now, did I go and eat a bunch of sugar and carbs? No. But arguably a binge is a binge, um, you know, you're still overeating something. Um, so that would start happening to me where I would just eat a, a bunch of meat. And then my metabolism was so down regulated because when you take the, the, you know, the nutrients away for days at a time, it will slow down your metabolism. It will down regulate your metabolism. And so I would gain weight really, really quickly. Um, and then my cycle completely went away and it was, I was like, wait a minute, I think I'm a little too young to be not having a cycle. Um, so I started having the cycle issues and I had already had issues with PCOS before I started carnivore. And so those issues actually got worse um, with the fasting. And so, yeah. And so then I was like, well, I'm just only going to do intermittent fasting. 
And that was still too much stress on my body. It was still too much stress. And so finally, when I started working with Stephanie in February, that's when I started eating within 30 minutes of waking every single day. And I had never done that. Um, I had really been fasting for years, even before I started carnivore. Like I was doing one meal a day when I was doing paleo, I would do that. And it, you know, it would keep me really thin. So I had been really intermittent fasting before it was like, even like a thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I had just done it forever for weight control. Um, so Stephanie was like, you got to eat within 30 minutes of waking. And, um, I started, I got my cycle back within two weeks of that, as well as switching to a high fat carnivore diet, doing the high fat ratios. Um, so it was pretty quick when I, when I just said no more, cause I was doing 18 hour, 20 hour, 16 hour, you know, I would just do those every day. Cause I was always, I was caught up in like getting the benefits of fasting. And for me, it was just too much of an added stressor and also eating in a caloric deficit a lot of the time also. So I had this, like I said, a great conversation with Robert Sykes. Um, and he, he says the only time he recommends fasting for anyone is if they're in a calorie surplus. So he's like, never, ever do any fasting from a caloric deficit because that's when you're really going to start to see issues um, hormonally with your body. So mm. that was a big mistake I was making. And, did, you know, I just didn't know. Cause we, we just preach about the great benefits. That's, mm. that's all we talk about. Yeah. And, and the thing about fasting is there are not, ha- there have not really been a lot of studies that have been done on uh, women of reproductive age in regards to fasting. Mm. It's mostly on uh, men, rats, you know, of course, and uh, postmenopausal women. So women in perimenopause, you know, going through menopause, women of reproductive age, we haven't done a bunch of studies on those people. So when people go online and they start talking about all these benefits of fasting, they're probably not talking about a woman, honestly. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you, you talk about how it was stressing your body. Now, out of curiosity, did you use one of these tests to test your cortisol to see if, if that w- was, you know, jacked up? Did you ever do, do that? Cause I, I'm actually going to do that. Yeah. My cortisol was actually okay. Which oh, was okay. surprising. Um, but I had a history before I even started carnivore of having chronically low cortisol, just from severe adrenal fatigue, adrenal burnout, um, just because I already have a very stressful life um, outside of doing any dieting or, you know, ways of eating. My life is just already stressful. So um, I had a history of low cortisol, but it'd be interesting to, to, to see what the test says because, um, yeah, I know a lot of people who do a lot of fasting or even that are keto or low carb and maybe aren't necessarily in the state of ketosis that start to have issues with cortisol. Yeah, interesting. Okay, so if somebody doesn't know that they're stressed, what are some signs they can look for that maybe fasting isn't the best thing for them? What can they look for? Because I mean, a lot of people probably think because it's you're getting the benefits that they don't even pay attention to those things. Um, I would say number one, your sleep. I started waking up a lot at Mm. night. So I was definitely having sleep issues you know, as a woman, if you do have a regular monthly cycle, you know, problems with your cycle, either it's not coming, it's not coming on time, 
or you're not ovulating. Now I track my ovulation every month as well, which is something I'm starting to bring a lot of awareness out to women because I didn't know about this stuff until I was like 40 years old, which is crazy to me that no one teaches you about your reproductive hormones and the reproductive cycle. And so a lot of women, maybe they're getting their cycle, but they're not actually ovulating. Um, that's something to take a look at, um, your body temperature, your pulse, having a super, super low pulse is not necessarily a good thing. Um, yeah. So tracking metrics like that, I think is, is very helpful. Um, and then, you know, are you, if you eat, <laughs> if you have a big day of eating, do you just gain weight super, super, super easy? You know, that could be a sign that you've downregulated your metabolism from, um, over fasting or too much restricting. Very interesting. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I'm a proponent of fasting. I, I, I think it's a good thing, but there are always circumstances where it's not a good thing and yeah. you have to kind of figure out where you're, where you're at and what your body is okay with. And, you know, some people can get away with it longer. Some people just can't do it. Shouldn't do it. Yeah, you know, like, okay, like but I've our, been doing it for years and years, mm -hmm. like before I even went carnivore. And so it just, I had a lot of years of that. And then also fasting is a stressor. So if you have other chronic stresses in your life, then it may not be the best thing for your body. Oh, yes, I could not agree with that more. Okay, so now the other controversial thing, or I, I, at least I, what I've kind of seen as controversial, is the high fat versus high protein. It mm -hmm. seems like, you know, a lot of people in the carnivore community, it's about the more protein, because that's the point. It's carnivore, it's protein. It's, mm -hmm. you know, you eat, you talk a little bit about that and how it's affected you. Yeah. So I think getting a continuous glucose monitor is very eye-opening and very helpful. That was one of the first things where um, I had that glucose monitor on my arm and was looking at, um, I was having glucose spikes in my sleep that it was going 30, 40 points up starting at like, you know, 11 o'clock and it would rise through the night. That's gluconeogenesis. And it's a very inefficient metabolic process. I mean, it's, <clears throat> we talk about it. It's like, oh, gluconeogenesis is not bad. It's not inherently bad, but you don't want to live there. You don't want to be there. And so, um, you know, I know in the keto space years ago, there was this major, major fear of protein and um, steak turning to cake and all that. <laughs> and that has kind of gone away. Now, I'm not saying to live in fear and to like that that's necessarily a true thing. But I think that what has happened is this surge of protein and it's so good for you and it's so healthy that people are not in ketosis. And I think that everyone has a protein threshold. I'm kind of playing around with mine just a little bit to see if I can, um, how much protein I can eat before it starts knocking me out of ketosis and I start having side effects um, from not being in ketosis, like interrupted sleep, um, you know, brain fog, feeling tired, feeling exhausted. Um, I start to have issues like that if I'm not in ketosis. If I'm eating zero carbohydrates, I'm de depleting my glycogen, but I'm not, I don't have enough ketones in my body to fuel me. So ketones, glucose, those are the body's preferred fuel sources. Gluconeogenesis is this like middle place here. And for me, it really started causing me a lot of problems. And so that's why I do stay in that high fat carnivore diet because for me to, to not have carbohydrates in my body, I need to really 
run off those ketones. I really need ketones in order to efficiently fuel my body and feel my best. You know, it's just my experience. Um, and this is what Stephanie says a lot. Stephanie keto person talks about this quite a bit. Um, it's just this, you know, people being in gluconeogenesis and it beginning to cause problems for them. Yeah. Very interesting. So it sounds to me like being in that in-between place where you're not really in ketosis, but you're not eating carbs. So you're right. not like, you know, living on glucose either. So you're in this in-between stage. And how do you know you're in that in-between stage? I mean, like say you have a blood monitor and you can check your ketones. I mean, is there such a thing as you actually are in ketosis, but it's not showing up a lot in your blood because you're more able to use them? Is that a thing? Have you found that that is a false narrative? Yeah, I think that's think? a false narrative, to be honest with you. I think that the longer you're in ketosis, the less ketones you're going to register for sure. That's 100% true. But you should still register ketones if you if you are in fact in ketosis on a blood meter now. P tests those we know that those are completely um, ineffective and, and inaccurate as far as showing ketosis. But um, you know Stephanie, my friend Stephanie has been uh, in ketosis. She's been on keto for 13 years with zero refeeds, and she shows ketones in her blood. You know above 1.0. Um, are you going to get wow. a reading of like, yeah, are you going to get a reading of like 4.5? No, more than likely not. Um, when I first switched over to eating this way, I was waking up um, with zero fasting, but I was in like, my ketones were like 4.5, 5.0, 6.0. And I was like, what the hell? And she's like, no, this Whoa. is your body is just now starting to produce them. That number is going to go down and down and down. And now I would say when I check um, my ketones, they're usually between a 2.0 and a 3.5 wow. typically. Yeah. Every morning fasted. That's like, really good though. Yeah. 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 And glucose is between, you know, uh, 70 and 80 typically. That's, hmm. those are my fasted numbers. So it's, it's good. blood sugar and it's ketones and ketones usually between 1.5 and 3.0 is, is a good range for your ketones and then your blood sugar. Again, you don't want it to get too much above 80 or you're kind of getting out of that ketotic range. And I know there's a lot of people who would disagree with me and that's okay. Um, mm -hmm. But to say that because someone's been in ketosis for a long time, they're not going to register ketones on a blood meter. I don't think that's true. Hmm. That's really, yeah, I, I know when I was still keto and I was eating, you know, high fat um, and I, I was very strict. I, I mean, I had whittled down and I got rid of the treats and all that because I just didn't care anymore. By the right before starting carnivore, mine had dropped without doing anything different. And I was not I know I am not one of these that I will say if I cheated, I cheated. I, you know, right. I did not. And I was registering like 0 0.2, 0 0.3. And I'm like, oh, wow, what in the world. But it, when I was registering like 4.5, but I, I, I wrote down everything. I was I'm wow. just like that. I, I just tracked everything. And like I said, I, I was very strict about everything. But you could just see my ketones doing this mm -hmm. without changing my diet. Wow. It was really bizarre. So I was kind of like, uh, what's going on here? So, yeah. and, and my blood glucose was very low, probably yeah. for a lot of people, it would be hypoglycemic for them, yeah. but it made, that's where I felt good. And so I did, I never was concerned about that. So yeah. I didn't have high blood glucose. It's just really weird. So that, that's always been very interesting to me. Yeah. Okay. 
but who knows? Maybe I'm anomaly. I'm weird. I don't know. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I don't have all the answers. I just know that that's, you know, kind of the conversations I've had with Stephanie after she's coached, you know, over 4,000 people over the last, you know, 12, 13 years, that's more coming from her and her knowledge than it is from me and my knowledge of working with people and, and anecdotal evidence. So that's where right. that from. Yeah. We're all different anyway. Right. Like I said, I'm probably a weirdo. So who knows? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh, uh, another thing that's kind of controversial is with carnivore, you know, you're generally told, Oh, calories don't, you just don't measure those. You just eat to your appetite, which mm -hmm. I, I mean, for the most part, I agree with that. It works for me because I can't overeat protein for some reason. I just can't. So yeah. I don't have that binge eating issue. So, you know, of course some people do, they do have to worry about it. But, mm -hmm. but you have come out and talked about how, I mean, not that you count calories every day, but that you've counted calories to figure out where you need to be, which mm -hmm. kind of goes against what you generally hear about carnivore. So talk a little bit about that because I, I watched those videos and I thought that it was very fascinating and, and I loved what you did. And I think, you know, some people probably really do need to do what you did. So give yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people, it's more women, I think, than men. Usually men don't come into carnivore and gain any weight, <laughs> but I think a lot of women do come in and they start gaining weight. And I did the whole, like, don't count, don't track and measure for the better part of like a year and a half. And I just was not um, losing weight. And so I finally was like, I just need to just do this energy balance thing. I need to know how much I'm eating, how much my body is actually burning off um, and start to adjust because, you know, I, I tried a year and a half, just eat till you're satisfied and this, that, and the other. And it just wasn't getting me where I wanted to go. Um, so what I essentially did was I tracked and it's energy. I mean, calories are energy. And I think that your metabolism is a bit different. Like it's a metabolic advantage to be in ketosis, to be in that ketogenic state. Um, so we do get some metabolic advantage from being in that state. However, it's not an all you can eat buffet and people do can and will overeat even on carnivore, because if you have a disordered relationship with food or you have a history of binging disorder, any of that stuff, just going carnivore is not going to cure that. So um, for me, I, what I did was, and I was like, I'm not trying to lose weight super, super fast. Um, so what I started doing was just tracking how much I was eating the first week I lost like a half a pound and I, I was like 0.6. I was like, okay, well that was a deficit that week. Um, so I took seven days. I added up all the calories for that week, divided it by seven. I was like, this is my average. Okay. So for next week, I'm going to take it down. Um, I think I took it down 200 calories and said, let me just try that and just try to stick in that average for next week. Did that. And then I lost 0.4 of a pound, which is still like good. So I was like, okay, let me see if I can bump this up another 200 calories. And so that third week, finally, um, I was, my weight stabilized, didn't lose, didn't gain. I'm like, cool. So this is how much, and I kept my activity levels and the time of day, day of the week, all of that, that I was weighing myself exactly the same, kept as many variables the same as humanly possible. Um, and so I was like, okay, so this is how much I'm, that I need to eat in order to not gain weight and also not lose weight. So let me take this to like a 300 calorie a day deficit of, of, you know, underneath this number. So that's pretty much where I've been 
um, for the last couple months is just trying to eat about 300 calories under that maintenance number mm -hmm. and slowly lose weight. And so it's been working really well for me. Um, and the weight loss is very slow because again, it's like only a 300 calorie deficit. Mm -hmm. They say to lose one pound a week, you need a 500 calorie a day deficit. So I'm going 300 um, because I am really conscious about keeping myself ovulating, keeping my hormones in a good place. And a calorie deficit is definitely a stress on your body also. So I'm just trying to be, just trying to be very patient, which is very hard for me because I'm really good at slashing the calories and going into full mm -hmm. restriction mode and then losing weight really, really fast, mm -hmm. but then gaining it all back. Yep. Um, so I'm trying to do things differently. And I feel like with a carnivore diet, I'm eating the most nutrient dense bioavailable food possible for my body. I'm getting nourishment. Um, I'm not having any issues with energy. So I feel like I'm on the right track for me right now. That's awesome. I, I loved how you did that. I think that's like a really cool way to, to know what your body is, not what somebody tells you. Oh, well, you're about this height, blah, blah, blah. You should yeah, probably all those eat calculators this. online. Yeah. I yeah. don't think that they're accurate. There's so no. many. Variables. How can they? Yeah. yeah. There's too many variables. How much yeah. muscle do you have on your body? How much activity mm -hmm. are you actually doing? <laughs> um, <laughs> that one. Yeah all of those things that they're going to come into play and how much, you know, what's your non-exercise um, activity thermogenesis is. So like how much fidgeting you do and moving around and jittering and like all that stuff, like that's all going to come into play of your metabolism. And we don't, it's not just like this flat thing. Um, so I get a lot of crap from people for saying that I'm counting calories, but it's, I saw. Not, it's not that simple. It's not just, I'm not just going calories and calories out. I'm accounting for, for a whole lot of other stuff too. Well, and you're finding what works for your body. You're not, right. you're not treating it like an equation in right. this closed system. Exactly. You're allowing your body to tell you where you need to be. And right. I mean, yeah. And, and also there are a lot of people who, who are not in tune to their uh, proper hunger signals too, right. especially like the binge eating disorder people. Mm -hmm. And, and when you've, you know, had so much, you know, bad stuff you're eating and all, and it's messed up those signals. Anyway, mm -hmm. it takes a long time to really be able to trust those again anyway. So sometimes that, you know, intuitive eating doesn't necessarily work. Either. No, I don't think intuitive eating so, works at all. I mean, I, I would have to agree with Maybe that, yeah. one day I'll be able to do it, but at this point I'm not, <laughs> I'm not trying. I hear you. Let me check the time here. Okay. It looks like we're coming up pretty close on time. So um, I think I pretty much got most of the things that uh, I wanted to talk about. So are there any words of advice you can give somebody who say they are in the so-called echo chamber and they're hearing all these very dogmatic views and they are feeling confused because what everybody else seems, it seems to work for everybody else. It's not working for them. What can you tell them to help them, uh, you know, figure out what's good for them? Yeah. I mean, experiment on yourself is the first thing you know, I have the CGM, I have the let's get checked. I've got all of those, you know, testing metrics that I've used and I have my aura ring and I continue to use to just see like, how's my sleep, you know, with the, even with this calorie deficit, 
Um, if my sleep has, I've had a couple of times where my sleep has started to suffer. So I've taken like a week and then upped my calories by like a couple hundred. So I've only been in like a hundred calorie deficit. So I've had to just like keep tweaking and changing things along the way. Just check in with your sleep, check in with those metrics and also be careful who you listen to. Um, there are a lot of very charismatic people who are very certain of what they're saying, but they're not actually working with other people. You know, that's what befriending Stephanie has been for me is like, oh my gosh, this woman has worked with over 4,000 people in the last, you know, 12, 13 years. I can actually, there's a lot of validity in what she's saying because she's worked one-on-one -on -one with so many people and come across so many problems. So there's a lot of people in the keto and carnivore space who number one have only been doing the diet like a year or two themselves. And then they're like up here preaching about what's going to work for you um, <laughs> and not working with anybody one-on-one -on -one and, and just using their own anecdotal evidence as like word for everybody else. So you really need to be careful of who you listen to. Um, and this space is getting bigger and bigger and more and more saturated with more and more voices you know, and I, I will hear people say stuff and just like facepalm, like totally disagree with it, but maybe that per advice will work for somebody, but it's like anybody who says always and never just be really careful. Yes. I could not agree more and find what works for you. Experiment. Mm -hmm. It's, it's, oh, and let me ask you about the aura ring. Do you really <laughs> think that's worth it? I love I've been it. considering. Okay. I really do like it because, I mean, it just shows me, you know, it's one, another way I track um, ovulation because it shows your body temperature fluctuations. It shows your, your HRV, which is your body's ability to recover. So if you've had a really hard workout or if you've worked out a lot of days in a row, you're not going to have the same recovery rate. It'll tell you resting heart rate. It'll tell you, I mean, it's just a lot of metrics. Okay. The sleep data is really good. It'll tell you how much deep sleep, how much REM sleep, how many times you're getting up. Um, you know, so I find those metrics to be really useful, especially, like I said, with the calorie deficit. Um, a couple things I'm paying attention to is if my heart rate's going too low, um, then I probably need to back off of the deficit for a little bit and give myself mm -hmm. a couple of refeed days or even a refeed week. Um, or if my sleep is getting super disturbed, that's another sign right there that maybe I'm pushing my body a little bit too hard. So yeah, mm -hmm. I find the data really helpful. Um, I don't live and die by it, but it is a nice metric to kind of be able to fine tune what I'm doing. Is it better than Fitbit you think? Oh yeah. Those, oh, oh, okay. Oh yeah. Maybe Cause it doesn't okay. give you your HRV. Um, heart rate variability, which is your, your, like, again, your body's ability to recover from stress, recover from exercise. Um, when I, when the pandemic first started, I actually took my ring off for about a month because my HRV was so terrible because I was so stressed out, like everybody else. Mm -hmm. Um, my sleep got really bad and I was just like, you know what, we're going through a global pandemic and a lot of stress right now. So maybe I just need to take this thing off until I feel a little more calm and then I can start measuring again. And that's what I did. Um, because yeah, stress is going to affect all of that. It's like everything can kind of fly out the window when you're under an extreme amount of stress. 
Yeah. Yeah. And, and also uh, for y'all, I'll put the, the links below for the R ring, the, these tests, and also for the continuous glucose monitor, yeah, okay. because you have, you have a good link for that. And I will be doing that soon. I, I, I that's, that's on my wish list. Uh, first, I want to get tested. I'm trying to, you know, do this hormone thing, trying to, you know, stabilize yeah. things. Then that's my next thing. I really want to do that. So I'm excited about that. But thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. I really appreciate it. I know you're extremely busy and today's already been kind of a weird day for you. <laughs> so maybe you can get some really good stuff done now. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. It was fun. Always fun to chat with you. Um, I had a great time when you came on my channel, so we'll definitely have to do so, it again. Yes, yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you. Uh, Bye, Sarah. Bye. Oh, don't forget to subscribe and follow Sarah if you're not. Now I've done my All right. Bye, Sarah. <laughs>